Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Clap, weren't you? Yay! Yay. We're all in the room together again! Yay. Yay! It is the 16th of January, 2013, episode 93 of The Skeptic Wire! Yay! Yay! I am your host back in San Antonio, Gary Lawn, and with me this week are, or I'm with them this week, are Donna Swafford. Yeah, I'm not really here. And Greg Perrine. Welcome to my home. Yes, indeed. What a beautiful home it is. You Welcome to clean Fantasy mine? Island. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we had some... Uh, uh, no, we'll stop there. How's everybody's week? Actually, so were short... you about to mention the technical difficulties we had last I was getting week? there. I was getting there. I was going to see how you guys were doing before we uh, walked digitally towards our listeners, uh, digital hat in hand, <laughs> saying sorry about the eight-hour podcast that turned out to be only an hour and a half, but made it difficult to actually fast-forward or rewind or whatever. Uh, apparently, there was an extra digit in the iTunes RSS feed, which caused um, it to think that there was actually 110 million bits rather than uh, 17 million bits. Plus the fact that we had audio problems in the beginning, which meant that we didn't get the episode out on our usual Friday-ish schedule. That, so. that is true. Yeah. That's uh, because Gary was on vacation, like he thinks he can take a vacation. And you foolish mortals gave me the responsibility of editing the files. <laughs> that is correct. And you did a good job. So. Yes, she did. Very good job. Yes. And a big thanks, of course, to Nurse Janine for hosting that side of the podcast. <laughs> well, like I said, happy birthday! Oh, uh, happy birthday, Greg! It's Greg's birthday. Uh, well, it was, it was Greg's last birthday. week. Last week, yes, yes. Anyway, well, I've, like I said, I appreciate all the work that you do, Gary. Because now that I am editing a, a bi-monthly podcast, <laughs> man, I appreciate you. Because is that ugh. the first time you've mentioned your you're cheating venture? on us with on another you. podcast yes. on the show? I'm now doing two podcasts. Are you going to plug that other podcast? Yes, I will plug it. It's um, called Less Than Perfect. You can find it on iTunes. Um, it's only going to be bi-monthly, so we'll only do two episodes. And last time we reviewed the movie Dogma. So what what is it about? Reviewing movies. Uh, not Dogma, yeah. Okay, so movie review. Yeah, kind of movie okay. review. Um, we're going to do one older one. At the, the first of the month, and then a, a newer, less than a year old movie. In fact, we are recording this weekend, and we're doing the movie VHS because I got outvoted for horror. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! Someone thinks Weird Al, Weird Al Yankovic's movie no. VHS is a horror. That's UHF. Yo, okay. So you you made the same mistake <laughs> I did. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Um, we'll put it up. It's well, at first in my brain it was a mistake, and then it became a joke. So. Right. Well, I'll put it up on um, on our blog, uh, but it's being hosted through Podbean, so I don't have to. All I have to do is upload it. They do all that little RSS stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> Very happy with that idea. Well, I, I, would, I would say <laughs> if if you ever have a show that has a skeptical scientific bent, 
we should merge the two shows yeah. all into one big yeah do kind sunshine of thing <laughs> you know like the the darwin biopic creation or yeah creation or or prometheus or like contagion or something or something something like the that the clonus horror yeah no <laughs> i'm not familiar with that one it's pretty bad are you talking about the second prequel from the Star Wars films? No. Okay. No. It's about people being cloned, and then when the person who has a clone dies, they kill the clone. And then one of the clones escapes and goes and finds the person of whom... That sounds like that um, Ewan McGregor movie where... The there, Island. The yeah, island. it was... That, that was a remake, effectively, of it. Oh, okay. Uh, I think probably better done, but I never saw it. Yeah. Well, Cloud <laughs> okay. Atlas also touches on it because in the the Soon Me story, um, you find out that all of these clones basically end up becoming Soylent Green for the future clones. Tasty. Mm. <laughs> Dinner time. Yeah, well, which is funny because they all work in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it is it called? Um... Hold on. Is it called Donner's? No. <laughs> and for those of you who don't get that joke, um, it was also... Go Wikipedia. Go Wikipedia, and it was also an episode on Ben Stiller's show. It's also, I believe, the name of Colorado University's um, cafeteria is... <laughs> is it? And the, there's I also so. a awesome. movie by the creators of South Park called Cannibal the Musical, which is based loosely <laughs> on, on the that Donner Party kind of stuff. That's hilarious. Uh, but we aren't reviewing films. Um, we're apologizing, which we've just done. Check. Check. Everybody check that one off. But we did review a book last week. Yeah, we did. And it appears that uh, some places aren't going to be selling it anymore. There's a bookstore in Australia that I think it's Bookstone or something like that. Yeah, the, the big one. The big one in Australia. Basically right. their version of Barnes & Noble and... All of that jazz. Bands and net. Never mind. <laughs> wow. Was that a Boston accent? Shut up. <laughs> Can't just jump into it. Have to. Yeah, I don't have any beer. Back off. Throw a shimp on the babby. Yeah, when bad. Yeah. Books down. <laughs> uh, that was almost too. just as bad. Yeah. No, Donna. Don't even try. <laughs> I'm not touching it. I'm not going there. I'm leaving it alone. So, anyway, um, this online dealer, this big dealer, has uh, received enough complaints that they will not be holding, um, selling the the anti-vaccination book. Melanie's Marvelous Measles. Yep. That's the book. Yep. We, we probably should have mentioned that in the beginning. Uh, well, Peter's Pimply Penis. I was going to say Peter's. <laughs> that about the HPV virus. <laughs> Uh, but it, according to the author, she doesn't care because it's not focused on those people anyway, <laughs> whoever they are. That's, so, not, that's so, not her market. So they're the kind of kooks who don't shop at big, nameless, faceless corporations anyway. No, they track you, man. So they're big on conspiracies, so they're not going to go. So they use three printers to make their own version of the book? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. So they're not certain... Where it's from. Who printed it? I don't know. Yeah, well, David Barton has that problem. <laughs> yes, that's right. Sorry. Whoops. Well, David Barton actually has the problem that no one bought his previous book, so he's saying it's actually been republished when, in fact, it's the original book. Right. <laughs> okay, hadn't heard that one. 
side note, sidetrack here. Did you hear David Barton's latest one? Basically, About two Jews walking into a bar. No, basically <laughs> said that if kids, one of them says, Ow. kids who back in like the 1850s, the reason they didn't have school shootings back then is all the kids were armed, and if damn it, if we had that, we wouldn't have school shootings today. I, yeah. We have confused faces on our Wait, back in, back in the 1850s? 1850s, and he released the story about When it was how, all muskets? Yeah. But basically, that the the teacher was being hounded by some guy, you know, who wanted to kill him, and the guy came to school, and all the kids drew their guns, and the guy just left. And blo- so he tells the story. And, surely, and basically, he <laughs> says... sounds like a, something a bad pastor would say. I will find you the video because I saw it today and I was just, I had that moment of, oh my God. Does he he know at all how to tell the truth? No. (laughs) I I guess it's one of those skills that you have to keep up at or you just lose it. Yeah. But I guess, or maybe it just comes naturally. (laughs) Like sex. Sure. So, yeah. That was my my fun one today. That was my face palm moment going. <laughs> I, yes, I would I would think so. I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There just well, there's there gets to a point where the level of stupidity is so high that you just can't fight it anymore. You just go, if I fight it, I'm losing brain cells. Live to fight another day. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. Well, that reminds me of a little. Uh... Facebook debate I got into yesterday <laughs> over someone's posting of a one of those meme photos on Facebook that says across the top of the meme it says my flu shot and it's got this these two bottles on either side by green pasture products or something one is blue ice cinnamon tingle and the <laughs> other is high vitamin butter oil raspberry or something I think and, you can get both of those at adamandeve.com. <laughs> <laughs> and it was basically saying, um, it has some notes with it saying, you know, I love my flu shot. It has no mercury, in parentheses, thimerosal, no aluminum, no formaldehyde, no aborted fetal cell tissue, no MSG, etc., etc., etc. Result, no flu in our house for over 10 years. Get the good stuff at thehealthyhomeeconomist.com. <laughs> And, you know, basically, uh, being a good skeptic, I basically said, this is this is not good. You should go out and get your, your vaccines. And they said, no, I, I, I chose not to get vaccines. And, you know, I, I put out all the arguments of, well, you're relying on herd immunity. Yes, the vaccine is only 60% effective. But do your kids play with other kids where there's a new baby in the house? Or maybe, you know, your kids play with Uncle John, who has a friend whose roommate is HIV positive and needs to be prevented, prevented, protected, protected from those kind of opportunistic diseases that could kill somebody and whooping cough, maybe a little baby hasn't gotten their shot yet. And, and not even, she wasn't even one of those people who says, oh, we got to spread out the shots, which the CDC and all them have said, no, the shot schedule is fine. And I. You know, I said there, and I tried to be reasonable, and it wasn't, it didn't get into a heated argument. So that's why I kept going. Because a couple months ago, I got completely defriended by somebody, (laughs) because 
they were talking about children's health, and I said, make sure you get your kids vaccinated. And she said, how dare you turn this into an argument about vaccinations? I was like, you said about children's health. Anyway, but this didn't devolve into that form kind of argument. And I kept going because maybe everybody else who's reading the thread might listen. And then I got a private message from another friend of ours from high school that said, I usually stay quiet on these because it's just hard to get in the arguments and I don't want the hassle, but thank you for saying something. Yeah. So you have the the facepalm moment of the stupid thing that somebody posts on Facebook, but being a good skeptic, you know, it's not like I'm a medical professional or anything, but if you know some of the basics, you can talk to the people who also don't know any of any of the medicine and you can try yeah. to convince them otherwise and maybe they won't listen but yeah you have well, your say and someone else might listen yeah well as as has been said before uh the whole point of arguing really isn't to try and convince the person with whom you're arguing because mm-hmm. they it's not really a debate but the people on the sidelines who are on the fences perhaps are are the people that you're trying to trying to reach yeah so and we were able to end the comment thread on a fun joke about how my French, uh, Dr. Oz, A-Z, not O-Z, uh, you know, is, is not going to rest until every man, woman, child, and vegetable is circumcised, except for the dogs and the, uh, and the pigs, because uh, Muslims aren't too good with the dogs and pigs. But. <laughs> so it ended on a friendly note, but I was able to get all my points out, and that's, those are the good debates. That's awesome. Glad to hear that. Yes, and I'm just I'm just thinking. Yes, it ended on a friendly, Any slightly di- racist note. <laughs> <laughs> but not really. This this is a friend who is officially Muslim. Oh, okay. So, maybe but he's right. really an atheist. <laughs> gotcha. Awesome. Well, I think that we should move on to birthdays. We have birthdays? Yes, we have birthdays. Yay! Okay, so besides... I had a birthday last week, and you've got a birthday in a couple weeks. And besides mine coming up. Right. And a couple other friends I know. January's big. Um, One of the people I could have chosen today was uh, Frank Zamboni, who was born today on the 16th of January. He's he's the guy that came up with the Zamboni? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's it's the only way to get hockey fans to sit down and shut up. <laughs> Is that they just all sit there and stare at the Zamboni yeah, going in circles? Really circles. weird. I like it. Well, it's so relaxing. Yeah, I know. So maybe that's a way to calm down NASCAR fans. Just Put a Zamboni to, to machine fix, on the racetrack. <laughs> fix the racetrack. Yes. Retar the racetrack between runs. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Works for me. I love the smell of tar in the morning. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but you're not going to do Zamboni. The big choice from today was born January 16th, 1964. Any guesses? 1964. Uh, can you give more? Can we just give? Okay. Um, is, uh, has three PhDs. Okay. The Stuart, uh, uh, Shermer. No, no, he's older than No, that. but you're warm. Three PhDs. Hmm. Who do I know that? In a skeptic <laughs> movement that has three PhDs. And I'm, I'm Brian ha- Cox. No. No. I'm Steve uh, Novella. No. I I'm going to have a 
such a problem time pronouncing his name correctly. Francis P. Putterwald, the third. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> HR Puff and stuff. You have heard this person's <laughs> Jamie name. Jamie Faharar. He writes for, I believe, Skeptical Inquirer. Uh, Skeptical Inquirer. And um, oh, is it the is it the philosopher guy uh, who who? Oh, you're getting there. Curse the luck. What's his name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know which. If it's who I'm thinking of, he does the rationally speaking. Yes, rationally. Oh, what's his name? Massimo. Um, yeah, Massimo. Massimo Piccolucci. Yes. Okay. Very Yay! good. We know somebody. Yes. <laughs> well. Yeah. We know to be, to be honest, this was a little easier for me to give hints and for you guys to guess than some of the other birthdays that I throw at well, you. Well, this person was born in 1848. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a small grain no. farmer from East, List, East Russia or something. It's like, no, this is someone you know and someone you probably have read. Uh, his um, And heard on the podcast. Not this one, but no, when he does. No. Yeah. Um, he's written books like... Um, was it? Uh, he's written books like "Nonsense on Stilts," uh, "Making that. Sense of Evolution," uh, "Denying Evolution." He's um, read "Making Sense." <laughs> so he he's got three PhDs: a doctorate in genetics, a, a PhD in biology, and a PhD in the philosophy of science. And he seems to do really well at that intersection of science and philosophy. And as someone who knows evolution very well, can um, argue with uh, young Earth creationists and actually do full-on debates, which he's a braver man than I. Um, but also talks about the philosophy of science and how, you know, okay, the philosophical answer about whether or not there's a god is technically different from the scientific answer. But as far as he's concerned, as an atheist, they both answer no mm -hmm. to is there a god. And... Um, so pretty neat. Yay. Yay. Well, happy birthday, Massimo Pugliucci. Pigliucci. It's a lot of I's in the last name. Pigliucci. Pigliucci. Yeah. Pigliucci. Yes. So that's that. Although if you're Greg, it's probably Pigliucci. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if, if you do pronounce the G. If you're just going to go Pigliucci. That's a possibility, but I'm sure somebody will correct yeah. us. Because our fans have started to do that lately. You morons! For crying out loud, can't you even pronounce a fucking name right? What are you going to do? Give us another eight-hour podcast? Yes. <laughs> what are you going to do? Make Greg talk like a delic again? <laughs> I think we should. We're professionals. <laughs> well, we're professionals anyway. <laughs> well, that's why I stuttered in the middle. Per we're professionals. <laughs> we're from Texas. So we're like Catwoman, we're professionals. Dude, put the leather suit away. Yeah, I bought the leather suit and the cat ears for nothing? What the hell? All for that one joke. Disgusting. Disgu okay, hold on. <laughs> Let's not be sex negative, Gary. If people oh, sorry. Are... What he does in the sorry, bedroom... Sorry, I'm appealing. <laughs> Fine. To me. That's, that's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> what he does in the bedroom is perfectly fine i have as no problems i have no problem what he does in the bedroom we're not in the bedroom we're in the <laughs> living room <laughs> granted it's his house the dining nook i like to call it the dining nook because <laughs> ah. it's not technically a room it's just kind of a alcove 
Well, it's kind of part of the living room. Now everybody knows what your front room... No, I have no idea. I'm just yeah, shut up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, for all you blind people out there... I'll shut up. <clears throat> God, Gary, why do you dig us these holes? I don't. I cut them out. <laughs> That's not... <laughs> When you when you say stuff like, you know, making jokes about blind people, that just isn't fair. Tough being yeah. fair. Oh, trust me. Are we you calling me, a, calling me an ape? Yes. Monkey? Or you monkey? Are, are an unfair ape. No, he's actually pretty fair because he divides his derision between the both of us. Everybody. Including so, himself. There you go. I mean, to me, it's very equitable. Yep. I'm filled with hatred for all. Well, <laughs> so much for that attempt at a segue. Yeah. We could try it again. Those damn blind people. <laughs> damn dirty. Oh, Gary. It's okay. I follow a blind person on YouTube. If I'm too mean that. Dig, dig, dig. Digging my yeah. hole. Doesn't have to be fair. Anyway, we're, we, you said fair. Fair? <clears throat> like fair fair weathered? Fair skinned? I was mainly hoping that Donna would start talking. <laughs> I'm just letting you two go at this point. I, I've learned that when you guys get on that sort of track, just let it go. Let you guys figure. That, that Gary's going to cut it all yeah. out anyway. I don't, I don't think it's a track. I think it's more of a just a different road. I don't always stay in the same place. <clears throat> Track implies you're going to go all the way down that to the end of that sucker. I don't. I often derail. <laughs> I've noticed. Okay. Right so now. Let's, let's get back to the matter at hand. There's a new study out. Um, was published in Life Science, talking about altruism in chimpanzees. And are they altruistic? Yeah, sorta. Uh, why? Why? Why would they say such such a thing? Well, they basically gave these apes a, basically, the the principle is is that if you had a, a test where they had the ability to share, and if they shared, they would each split it. But if either side said no, they didn't get anything. And how long would it take them to pick up on this? This is a psychological test that they use in humans called the ultimatum game, where they give the sub the human subject a hundred dollars and say, "All right, you have to decide how many of this hundred dollars that you're going to give to another subject that you're never going to meet again." Okay. And but if they deny what you offer them, however many of that hundred dollars, then nobody gets anything. Okay. So to see what people think are is a fair trade. It's a study to see what people think is a fair trade. So the question is, does the does the other person who's receiving the money know that people will get nothing? Yes. Okay. So it's all explained that, okay, well, all right, I'm going to decide uh, I'll give 30 of the $100. And if the person says no, then everybody understands nobody's getting anything. Right. And studies on humans have found that cross-culturally – Generally speaking, usually between 40 and 50% of that $100 is about what people will accept as fair. So oftentimes, if someone's given $10, they say, no, no, that's not fair, and they, they reject the offer. 
Despite the fact that if you just look at the numbers, if you just take whatever they give you, technically <coughs> you're getting more than the zero you would have bef- yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. But but what they're, the psychologists say is that that is spiteful to say no because because of the so- social contract of saying, well, you know, we're human, so we're used to having to say, no, I'm not going to take that because they the the you're used to being in a tribal or group organization where you keep track of these kind of things. You know that. You know, Ugg, the caveman, is always unfair in how the Mastodon pieces he gives out, so you don't ever share with him. So it's this social sure, but, back and but forth. Sure, but the, the difference between that would be is, according to the study as you read it, is you're never going to meet this person again. Right. So, so it's it's a snapshot of that. Yeah, but, but it, it sees – well, it's it's been used for other purposes. But in this purpose, it was used with chimpanzees right. and little children – where even with the little children, you could explain that if you don't, if if the other person rejects your offer of stickers, so they would have a token token of either an equal division of the six stickers, three and three, or someone would get two and someone would get four. Right. And it was to see if children understood this concept the same way as adults, so they could compare it to chimpanzees. Because chimpanzees did it with basically bananas. Yeah. So it was little banana tokens. But your point of saying, well, do they understand that if they refuse, nobody gets anything? It's really tough to see if a, if a chimpanzee really understands that. Sure. And, you know, it just may be maybe they're not hungry. Maybe they know <laughs> they're going to get a banana, but right. eh, I'm not hungry. So, eh. You know, but, I, I don't I – don't... I'm did... not a psychologist, but I think, right. I think there's a gaping flaw – in the study. <laughs> in addition, you weren't with the chimpanzees. The chimpanzees weren't really interacting with each other. They were separated by a wall and, and a bunch of other stuff, which is where I personally had an issue with it, was the the mode that they did it in. Right. Well, they, they had some interaction because one of the articles I read about this said that even if they accepted the offer of the unfair balance of banana tokens – the the receiver, if they thought it was an unfair division of how many bananas they got, they would growl or spit at the mm. giver or, or, you know, say that this is – they were unhappy with the unfairness of it. So there's a certain amount of acknowledgement that, wait a minute, there's six bananas and, you know, my partner on the other side of this wall – is only giving me one of those six and not sharing equally. Sure. At least there's some indication that they are unhappy about that, which shows that they have a concept of what is fair and what's right. not. And, and they've done this with other, <clears throat> excuse me, they've done this with other types of monkeys as well with grapes and I think it was carrots or something where yeah. grapes are the wanted thing. And so one monkey got the grapes and the other one got the carrots and the one that got, or it was whatever. Some sort of non-fruit tasty thing, and the other one actually threw that non-fruit untasty thing at the uh, the uh, administrator of the test. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> also been, video. I mean, in 2009, the Max Planck University out of Germany did a study where they compared males versus females and basically food for sex. 
you know, and how do you um, get in that study? <laughs> amongst chimps. Oh. You know, and um for for males this whole exchange of, of meat for sex it increased for them it was a good thing because it increased their um mating success. For females it increased their caloric intake, which is what is needed for their mating success. So in that respect it was seen as a kind of a, you know, even Steven sort of thing. And then in two thousand eleven, um Iowa State University, I believe, did a study in Senegal where they actually just observed the sharing behaviors amongst the Fangoli chimpanzees. See, that would probably be better. Right. And they showed, they were like, chimpanzees share. They share food. They share um, hunting tools. All of these things. One of the big things from the people who are criticizing this specific chimpanzee token ultimatum game experiment is that um, previous studies by the people at the Max Planck Institute were talking about that what they found in these similar kind of token exchange studies is that the givers would give as the minimum possible to the others. So they would be as stingy as they possibly could. And their reaction was the, the studiers... The researchers in that case said that that shows that chimpanzees aren't fair because but, they will share, but they won't share fairly. Yeah, but well, it's a, it's a, it's such an artificial construct for them to, to be right. doing this, where you're not even because they're not sharing it directly. They're sharing a token and then the token. So it's there's a there's a there's uh, a communication one, one, one degree of separation from from right. that. They I I know I I've I think that they understand what they're doing, but it's, uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy in just in art. Like if you're one step removed from the actual event, you, you can think about it differently. Whereas if you've got the, the food in hand and the person's sitting right next to you and you may get a punch because you're not sharing your hamburger, you know, you're probably going to share the hamburger. So like Donna's point about that they separated these animals yeah. entirely right. and there could be no consequences. Yeah. In it was addition, a very artificial situation. Yeah. Food in chimpanzee cultures is used it's not just for you know nutritional value. It's Food kinky is used, stuff. Well, it's really Well, it is used amongst kinky stuff. It is used to benefit uh, reproduction and Basically, um, the Max Planck study said where they saw, you know, these these older male chimps giving food to the younger females who were probably less dominant in their their home range was probably because these are the ones that are going to be entering um, estrus. They're uh, fertile time. They're fertile time. Thank you. So I, they wait, want wait, primate sexy time. Primate <laughs> sexy time. So these older they, chimps want the younger pre adolescent. Ch- female chimps to think nicely of them, them when, once, it com- when it comes, yeah, when to, it primate comes time to primate sexy time. Huh? And I don't. I, I can't think of a single analog in the human world like that. That's disgusting. <laughs> in Says addition, the older man going to school with a lot of younger women. I mean, electrical engineering. How many women do you think there are? One or two. Two. <laughs> <laughs> but. Food has been used for, I mean, it's been observed time and time again as 
a social bonding, not just a nutritional. It's it's, it's society. Right. They've got their little groups, and then they have the full group, and that yes, and that's why this study is completely artificial. Right. Like, you like can't those, know what they're thinking. Like those studies where they've tried to see how uh, chimpanzees share if they leave a whole bunch of food all in one place and they let, unlock the box at a certain time or whatever. In those artificial situations where chimpanzees are used to just foraging everywhere and it doesn't matter, they'll just take the food whenever they want and they, they move on and whatever. But when they have this locked box that they only have a certain time to get the food – that's when chimpanzees get more aggressive towards each other because there's this limited resource. Right. And it's incredibly artificial. It's not how their society is built. Right. Well, that's I also concur. in in those situations where you have the locked box with the food and everything else, you are creating, like I said, you are creating that thing. Because in chimpanzee societies, if food starts to become scarce, they break up their societies and break up their home ranges to where smaller groups can survive better. It's a fission fusion. And then once, you know, the rains come and the fruits are, are more plentiful, those smaller groups that have broken off, that have fissioned off, will fuse back together. So they can keep the genetic diversity higher Correct. and stuff like that. So basically these artificial situations where they're trying to compare the psycho psychology of chimpanzees with humans – can tell you some things like the fact that the the chimpanzees got pissed off when they were gypped, or maybe should I not say gypped? <laughs> I think uh, okay. oh, just fucking say it. They're not going to listen to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> after your gypsy comment a few podcasts ago. Exactly. Um, when the recipients in this case were shorted in the exchange, they got pissed off. So there's something in that, yes, there is a sense of, well, this is not fair, but the whole situation of constructing this very artificial situation where there's no social repercussions, there's a limited resource of bananas, and um, it's it's several times removed with the tokens instead of the actual bananas. I understand that in psychology, you really have to pair out as many variables as you can to just try to study one little thing but with animals it's try to very hard to make sure that they actually understand what it is you're actually trying to study mm -hmm. the whole thing of did they really understand that if they re refuse that nobody got anything or, or how you can you can actually kind of explain that to the six-year-old kids that they did the kind of control study with mostly right but but, but it's yeah. still it's still artificial and to there you have to take into account that uh, at certain times, any animal's mindset may be different than the mindset they're, they're, that you're expecting them to have. Now, of course, to overcome that, you have to do the test many, 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 many times. But there's also with this. Yeah, they did this, this is, on six adult chimps. Yeah, and right. then they in, say, oh, they have altruism. Well, in addition, <laughs> you're talking about active sharing. The chimps have to make the decision to give the token and 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 all of that jazz. What they see in like no uh, no the, not jazz bananas. Sorry. In the um, ISU, they're in the sharing ISU, trumpets. In the ISU study, what they noticed was that sharing was more passive, where somebody would set down a tool, know that it was there, 
see somebody pick it up and not complain if it was somebody that they liked. But if it was somebody, you know, that was, you know, significantly lower on the, on the dominance chain or something, then it'd be like, no, fucking give it back. <laughs> so the, the analogy with food would be if they were out picking on a tree and didn't have a problem with one of the other chimps being on the same tree also picking right. fruit, then they would share in quotes. They would share. Right. But if it was a dominance thing, it wasn't about the fruit. It was about establishing about dominance. Order. Yeah. Because chimpanzees are very, they have a very ordered society. I mean, their hierarchy is set. Well, that's why they're all wearing suits and dresses and smoking on those old TV shows from the 60s and 70s. Ah. And solving crimes. Yes. Yeah. I thought they were just killing people. Sometimes it that is. That was a, well, no, wait, that was an orangutan. Right. You're thinking all of those Clint Eastwood movies with the ring. No, I'm thinking Murders of the Rue Morgue. Ah. Not familiar with it. Edgar Allan Poe. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I forgot now. Okay. Whose birthday is this Saturday? Happy birthday, Edgar Allan Poe. Dead guy. <laughs> but he lived a long and full life. <laughs> I don't know, did he? He was kind of depressed, wasn't he? Well, I think we... <laughs> he was productive, kind of like Mozart, but... <laughs> yeah, only with, like, syphilis. And... Uh, well, moving on, uh, we do have a, a kind of a skeptically kind of thing now. Uh, conspiracies. We all like conspiracies. Well, it seems like lately conspiracy theories are Everyone. coming out of the woodwork. I mean, the... The sun... day after whatever event is well, supposed to have happened. You know, in addition, you've got, like, um, RFK son came out and basically said the whole JFK thing oh, was I a conspiracy, that. you know, and I'm, you know, well, the, what he said was that there was probably another shooter and that the Warren commission was wrong. And yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it was a, a shoddy piece of work. Yeah, his his like father that. thought that it was, it so, was yeah. but only said that in private yeah. because he'd actually come out in favor of the Warren commission sure. report and all this shit. But, you know, I mean, we do, Recently, have a national tragedy with the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting About a month ago, and the we now have the Sandy Hook Truthers. <laughs> I, I can't believe. Well, okay, yes, yes, I you can. can believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sad thing is, is that we can believe whatever it is you're going to say. Yeah, with exasperation. Yeah. Well, I mean, because everyone. Sorry, I shouldn't say everyone. The NRA thinks that Obama wants to take their guns away. I can see how they would try and tie this in as being uh, done by the government as a, as a national tragedy to try and take our guns away. But we're not we're not we're not going to talk about gun control. We're talking about the conspiracy. Right. I am unfamiliar with the conspiracy. Well, it boils down to two things, and basically, you can really. One of them is well. There, there are. There's a lot. Right. Well, the first one That's is the ones. principal supposedly what sent out a text was uh, interviewed by the media. Apparently, interviewed by the media, saying that hundreds of shots were fired, where the principal was actually killed in the incident. I don't know all the details <laughs> of why, what happened there, but my first assumption is that. It was not. There was a, someone was misquoted as the principal. Right. Yeah. Could could well be. Which is a nice simple explanation, but 
the mindset of someone who wants there to be a conspiracy mainly because of other other reasons, like Donna said, being of the mindset that if something like Sandy Hook has happened, that means we have to do something about guns. So because I don't want anything to happen about guns, then Sandy Hook, I have to deny that Sandy Hook happened. Right. But there's there's also the, the underlying assumption as well that one, um, despite all usually the conspiracist claims that the government can't do anything right and so we shouldn't let them do anything, they somehow can do all these conspiracies perfectly. Well, that's the weird <laughs> thing about one of the big aspects of the conspiracy that I'll point on. So one of the big proofs that they, that they the conspiracy theorists, say is proof that, that Sandy Hook didn't actually happen is there's a girl, um, Emily Parker. She, she was a six-year-old, and she was at Sandy Hook, and she was killed. What the conspiracy theorists are saying is that um, there's a picture of Obama with a little girl on her on his lap or something, or saying hello to a little girl who's wearing the same dress that Emily Parker was wearing at some point in a family photo, and looks a lot like Emily Parker. So that must mean that that is Emily Parker, and Obama was take <laughs> took a picture with Emily Parker. So she's not actually dead. So it was all staged. That's interesting. That really points to... Yes, most conspiracies have this weird conceit that the government is this horrible, evil thing that can do all these amazing um, sleight-of-hand tricks to to hide people who are supposedly dead, like the whole... the 9-11 planes were just holograms or something like that. Yet, they are the ones who are smart enough, the, the conspiracy theorists are the ones who are smart enough to have spotted the little errors that tell you the real truth. Right. Where that, if one's, you're, if you're that, one isn't the, that one that one isn't a small error. Yeah. You, <laughs> if you're building a conspiracy, you don't put the little girl who's supposed to be dead with the president. Ah, but Obama wants them to know that there's a conspiracy, you see. That, yeah, so it's it's talking in circles like that. The thing about it is, is that when Sandy Hook first started coming out, when the news reports in this day and age of 24-hour media started coming out, yes, there were a lot of conflicting reports because you've got a lot of fucking scared people. Yep. So yes. so maybe this thing with the pre- with the principal saying that hundreds of shots were fired. Maybe that was a quote that was taken at the moment and someone didn't write down who that was they talked about, so they just said, uh, I think it was the principal. Go or with that. it exactly. was an assistant principal. Exactly. I forgot that little A-S-S-T. Sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah, because the news, no, no, news always gets everything right. right. Always. Except right. where they get it wrong, which is proof of the conspiracy. <laughs> right. Good point. You know, I mean, when it was first being reported, it was actually being reported as Ryan Lanza was the shooter when it turns out it was actually his little brother. Hmm. You know, that was the first thing that was put out was, oh, it's Ryan Lanza. And Ryan Lanza's going, um, no, <laughs> really? I'm, I'm okay. over here, <laughs> not there. <laughs> you know, but it, it's once again, this weird, you know, you have to have these jumps in your head right. where you go, A leads to B. 
leads to C leads to D. There's this whole correlation is causation thing. Which D is required to prove A in the first place. place. So it's this weird circular logic of like saying the proof that the universe is 6,000 years old is because it says so in the Bible, which says it. that's your uh, – anyway. But yeah, it's, that, it's kind of the same mindset of, well, I want to believe this anyway, so I'm just going to talk my way around it. Yeah, exactly. And then they, you have that cognitive co- – then you have the cognitive dissonance where all of these other facts are coming out. And it, well, the thing about the a conspiracy that makes it so difficult to, to debunk is that, as you said, everything leads to that cons- conspiracy. So as facts become clear, that just becomes more obfuscation from the conspirators' point of view. Right. right. It's like, so, oh, well, now they're, oh, they're changing their story. First 100 shots were down, now only 24. It's like... Okay, but and and, you know, and and the detail of the wrong shooter was identified first. Yeah. Well, that's just the Obama administration trying to <laughs> manipulate the uh, media into into pretending like there's an actual. But thing. unfortunately, these conspiracy theories theorists have, yeah, and I'm going to say it again. Unfortunately, they're leading to the harassment of a hero, Gene yeah. Rosen found several of the children in a bus driver, basically took them into his house, called their parents and said, I have your kids. They're okay. Come get them. And now he's being hounded by conspiracy theorists about how it didn't happen. And he's just a government shill. And once again, we're getting into that whole big ag, big pharma, big government, you know, you know, Oh, the stupid is infectious. Although I, I, I hate to say this, but Go ahead. I don't think calling him a hero is appropriate. He okay. he helped some people who were in his yard who escaped right. from the thing. That's, he didn't run into gunfire. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he didn't, uh, you know what? I'll give you, you that. Know, he, he did he's help. He's a good Samaritan. Yes. He's, he, a, good he's, a, great, Samaritan. he's a great guy. Awesome. Not really a hero. But where he's... <laughs> Where he's actually the the I guess I'll call it the ironic part is that I think he's become more heroic in the fact that he is choosing to he he, he was debating whether or not he was going to speak out about the fact that people are calling and hanging up and harassing him. He has a friend reading all his email for him, yeah. so he has to doesn't have to slog through the hate mail and all that. He's speaking out about that to say someone has to shame these people. Right. Into, now, that's being heroic. Yes. Into maybe Still not a hero, but he's being their, heroic. <laughs> yeah. Shame them into regretting their talk about denying that there are 20 dead children. Yeah. And, you know, he spent the entire night having to be right near that because they couldn't take the bodies away at night or something like that. The fact that he's he's decided to fight back is fantastic. Yeah. The, the, I he, guess that is. He tells an interesting – there's an interesting story over Salon.com about his story and how – how filled with rage he is at these conspiracy theorists, not just because they're um, they're bothering him, yeah. but the 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 attitude that they have that they're just dismissive that anything ever happened and oh that's just a conspiracy. And he tells the story about being a, at a diner and one guy came up and said, you know, I really I really appreciate what you did. You know, thank you for you know helping out on a horrible day. I hope you you're okay and good luck. And then. He heard some other person at another table say, oh, well, that's just a full-on conspiracy. Hmm. And what he wanted to do was go to the first guy and say, 
all right, you know, you and your friends who all look like big football players, watch my back, and then go up to the person who was denying it and say, essentially, fuck you. How dare you deny that these kids are there, are, are not dead, and that it didn't happen the way it happened. Yeah. You know, who are you to say that? And by the way, all these people agree with me, and they got my back, so... You know, yeah, fuck off. It, yeah, exactly. Say it out loud. Yeah. Say it out loud. No, I can, I can and it, it, definitely it, understand that. It's in- interesting how this ties almost to the whole internet culture of trolling on websites, uh, where yeah. it's a very easy to spout off crap on the internet where you're not looking... Directly at the person. Yeah, I, I, it's like essentially without being... Ha- all these people who believe in these conspiracies should have to. I, I, this is a horrible thing to say, but should have to look into the, <laughs> uh, the should and have they, to look into the dead eyes of these children, <laughs> and, and and say you you're denying that that person was, that kid was well, killed. You know what? By a mad gunman. I dare them to say it to one of the parents because Same then thing. they're going to yeah. pull a Buzz Aldrin when he got accosted <laughs> by the the um the, the moon moon landing denier yeah, and Buzz Aldrin just. Death the shit out of him. <laughs> it's a good, I'm, it's not a good normally, punch. I'm not normally, yep. you know, one of those that, that advocates of violence, but damn, I love that. Yeah, Buzz Aldrin was confronted by Bart Sibrel. Bart Sibrel, oh yes. You know, but Great Ben Radford... Ben... Which I'm sure this Bart Sibrel guy, he's big into conspiracy theories. It's one of those That's weird a things... confirmation bias there. He's what he's got. Yes, he... well, I was going to say that people who believe in these conspiracy theories tend to collect them. You're not just a Obama birther. You're not just a 9-11 truther. You are into all of this. And even if these conspiracy theories contradict, you just want to hear it all. It's, it's a woo yeah. magnetism, I believe, is the term. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's people like us who kind of collect these conspiracy theories and look at them and go, huh, that's kind of neat and everything yeah. else. And I have several friends who sit down and, and read all the conspiracy theories but they're not conspiracy theorists. They're mm. conspiracy theory aficionados. Fox. Sure. Like it. Ben Radford over on Live Science has a really great write-up about how conspiracy theories work and this kind of self-fulfilling pro- prophecy of them. But yeah, I mean, he's got, you know, he does a, a really nice write-up about conspiracy theories. So I highly recommend we'll put it in the show notes. That's over at LiveScience.com. They seem to be putting up a lot of cool stuff, those Live Science folks. They are a good source of information for us podcasters. Oh, and according to Ben Radford, the little girl in the photograph was Emily's sister. Right, which is why she looks Looks like like Emily. And why she'd have that dress. She might have an identical dress or maybe wearing the dress of her sister. This was taken after the whole thing, so it's a sister. Okay. And so it the, was when President Obama went to Sandy Hook. Yeah, well, I want to see your birth certificate. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> see, at least you're in a safe space where you can say things like that, and we know that you're kidding. I'm sure if you were out at, like, a restaurant or something and said something like, well, I don't want to see the birth certificates of the people who are there, someone will hear that and say, huh, you know what? I do want to know. Well, I, I, I do like starting conspiracies, so. I like starting cults. Yeah. Can we start a conspiracy that our podcast is actually more popular than Skeptic's Guide to the Universe? 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck. Just as much proof as the Sandy Hook truthers. <laughs> Good luck with that one. We Let have me know more how proof, it works actually. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because no one's going to believe that one. <laughs> yeah. So from there. Let's recall something we talked about last week about vaccines and the flu. Uh, Forbes this past week uh, on the on the 8th had a th- article about Tamiflu and five things that you might want to know about specifically that prescription medication because I hear about it all the time. Um, you know, oh, let's get some Tamiflu. You hear it on the, on the radio. You hear advertisements for it, and it's supposed to... Lessen the severity. Lessen the severity of the flu. Like symptoms are supposed to be less severe and last less as long. Yes. Shorter. You'll have the flu shorter. Yes. (laughs) Or at least symptoms of the flu. Right. Correct. Because one of the things that they say you should know about Tamiflu is, I mean, there are various different problems that they're saying about the studies, but one of the things they say is that there's no proof that this reduces transmission of the flu from one person to another and that would be something you really need to know <laughs> yes because this uh this flu season is pretty bad that's the bad thing about the flu humdinger. it can be really easy to transmit yeah. if you sneeze in your hand and shake someone's hand or all, all that kind of fun icky stuff that yeah. makes people with ocd really really crazy <laughs> um but one, one thing I didn't know is that – so this is a prescription drug. It's an uh, antiviral. So it, it's not necessarily specifically for the flu, but mainly for a lot of different viral infections that you may get. Um, but obviously – It may be tailored towards the flu. The flu, or they claim to. Or flu-like viruses. But uh, one, of the, one of the red flags is the manufacturer paid for all of the testing of it. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that testing has not been released, so you wonder how much they cherry picked. Right, and and furthermore, um, they had some independent sources go back and look at the data that they could get, and found some other red flags showing some conflicts of interest, and maybe perhaps that not all of the data was in the studies, like it's missing sixty uh, percent of the data that they did. Um, that's quite a large chunk, yeah. and it looks, on the surface, of being cherry-picked data. Now, it has to be said that a lot of drug companies do this about a lot of yes. stuff. A lot of companies do this about a lot of stuff. Yes. Toyota probably doesn't release all of their safety test information. So it's not just a big pharma thing. It's it's standard business procedure to be careful about what you release. Yeah. In addition, a lot of the information is – a lot of – Information is gathered from the abstract. You can't put everything in the abstract. <laughs> right. I just want to make that, you know, when scientific papers go out, there's always an abstract, which is almost readily available. Right. Usually the rest of it is behind paywalls. And in certain cases, it's behind paywalls. In this case, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, I believe, is the one holding on to the information. Guess what? If you've only got 200 words in which you want to cover a 30-page article, guess what? Some of those highlights are going to have to be left out. <laughs> well, it's, it's, well, it's this, the big highlights. The, this was the Cochrane group that looked at the Tamiflu studies, 
And I would certainly hope that the Cochran Group has PubMed or whatever behind the walls. Right, but... Access to the information, because they did say whatever data they could look at, they actually tried to look at the data, not just the abstract. Well, I'm just saying is that probably what has happened is GlaxoSmithKline has just put out an abstract, and that's where they're gathering some of their data from. Okay. A a not fully released... Paper. Paper where all anybody has, regardless, is just the description. And a lot of those studies just talked about, like I said, just the symptoms. So they weren't fully studying length of hospitalization, whether or not someone needed to be hospitalized. And like I said, didn't quite show any um, effects on transmission of the virus, all those kind of things, which makes you say, well, what is it actually doing? (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah, there's that old joke amongst um, skeptics about flu remedies, whether it's Tamiflu or home remedies, that um, if if you don't take anything, you'll get better in a week. But if you take one of these home remedies, you'll get better in seven days. <laughs> exactly. Right. And if you go on Facebook, there are a plethora of home remedies of how to cure the flu. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I, there's there's the one I talked about one earlier in the podcast when yeah. I was ranting about my friend's post about their flu shot. There, although oh, there's 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 better there's better than uh, getting rid of the flu once you have it. I mean, oh, the really? best thing is to not get the flu at all. And the way you do that, well, hold on, hold on, washing your hands, coughing into your elbow. Um, sanitizing doorknobs. Is that what they're going to say? No. Oh. Onions! Place an onion in your kitchen and around the house, and it'll absorb... You have to cut in half, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. My bad. My bad. You actually have to cut... You have to do some work. You have to cut (laughs) the onion in half and then carry it to the portions of the house of which you frequent. And amazingly... All of the flu virus will flock to the onions because flu loves onion. So <laughs> I'd like it deep fried the, and the, batter dipped. So they're saying that the flu virus, I, I know it's technically no, no, they're, airborne they're saying, they're when saying you that, sneeze it, but yeah. it, it may be resting on a doorknob, but, but then just grows gets... wings and flies off. Oh, look, there's an onion. Woo! Absolutely. It, it will build a bridge. It'll it'll multiply so you can build a long viral bridge over to the onion, just like like ants, huh. like soldier ants. And by the way, if you with... believe this, uh, what I'm saying, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I said, hey, hold I... on. One question left on the onion: huh? Will a green onion work? Uh, I no, saw no, a purple onion. Yeah, uh, I saw purple and yellow. So I don't think green onion would necessarily work. It would have to be a large. Something large some, bulbous. Yes. Is there any any site out there specifically that you can point to that debunks this? Life, <laughs> uh, basic thought. <laughs> so Home the answer is no. So, dear listener, Google the heck out of it and find on if it probably has a Snopes article somewhere. Uh, yeah, I think actually onions. it is a Snopes article. That that's where I saw it. Sure, Snopes article. Anyway, don't get the flu. Do what you do. Wash your hands. <laughs> Sneeze into your elbow. Hey, and Gary cool. rubs his nose. I didn't wipe it on anything. Yet. Um, it, it, the cool thing about sneezing into your elbow is then you can make the Dracula face. No, <laughs> 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 I'm not going to kill you. You should be very happy. I don't drink. I'm a flu. 
Exactly. <laughs> well, like I said, if you go on Facebook, as I know, I've been hit by it, and I believe Greg has been hit by it. Face what? All of these Facebook. <laughs> hmm. Been hit in the face of that book. Um, all of these home cures for the flu. Like one of them says baking soda. Oh, that's not the just, one I got. Just baking soda. Um, I'm reading the quote here. One of the most powerful and safest medications available in the world today is good old-fashioned baking soda. Yes, the kind you use to deodorize your fridge. Baking soda or sodium bicarbonate is used in emergency rooms and intensive care units in a solution form that is used intravenously to rescue severely ill patients. It's so safe and effective. So does does this recommendation have you have to take it intravenously um i'm not really sure it's not much of a home remedy right well no this actually gets better let me just continue it's so safe and effective that just the exact right dose is not often an issue it just works and an overdose is almost impossible here's where you'll love this Oh, I love it already. The following article is from the Mercola website and includes information from the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918. Well, that's current. Yes, I think they had baking soda back then. They did sodium yes, bicarbonate. Yes, and they used so, the baking soda to prevent and treat swine flu. They pro- if if this had worked back then, someone would have been using it in between then and now. Mm-hmm. The drug companies would oh, be selling it. Here's how you're supposed to take it. During the first day, take six doses of a half a teaspoon in a glass of cool water at two-hour intervals. But it doesn't say the size of the glass, so it could be a homeopathic dilution. During the second day, take four doses of half a teaspoon of bicarbonate of soda in a glass of cool water at the same intervals. And on the third day, take two two doses of a half teaspoon of bicarbonate soda in a glass of cool water in the morning and the evening... And thereafter, half a teaspoon and a glass of cool water each morning until your cold is cured, which would be approximately 14 to 21 days. I'm <laughs> the, 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 the length of the colder. The so the interesting thing is I saw someone's, um, someone's post about nature's flu shots, that what you're supposed to take is six fresh lemons, garlic, some ginger powder, honey, pineapple juice, and cayenne powder, and blend it all together and drink four cups of this con- concoction oh. every single day. It's just... Hold on, let me... What okay. if... So the idea no, is that this is supposed oh. to help with your flu until your symptoms are resolved. So is the baking soda. So is that weird kind of raspberry ginger... Goji juice, whatever it uh, is. The, no, the, the cinnamon Palm? shot that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. Oh. All of these are supposed to actually help you either not get the flu or resolve your symptoms. Someone out there is combining the lemon cayenne powder pineapple juice drink with baking soda, (laughs) with those kind of nature's miracle type, you know, things that I was talking about at the beginning of the webisode. And, and like, uh, oh, someone said a shot of whiskey. That's how a shot of whiskey a day. That's how you're supposed to do it. They're combining this all into one big mega drink and thinking, I am going to be super cured. I'm never going to get sick again. (laughs) <laughs> and the fact is that it's the sad truth is that most of these people, the reason why they're not getting sick is not everybody gets the flu all the time. Right. Because not everybody gets sick. Sometimes you're quote, quote, naturally immune or you get what you got last year. So 
you've you've got oh, immunity. You forget? <laughs> well, no, like your body. No, like you got forget the... that last year you actually got sick. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Or, you know, you think you got the flu, started having this baking soda stuff, you got better in a few days. You didn't have the flu, you just had a cold. And you got better in a few days, and you thought, ha-ha, I've cured the flu! <laughs> so, yeah. So please, when people post these things on Facebook, it's really hard to be a skeptical ad- activist at the level of, you know, the, 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 the Steve novellas <laughs> and the... Michael Shermer's and the skeptics and all them. <laughs> but what you can do is, is if you can find a Snopes review on someone, something that somebody posts on Facebook, just throw the link in there and say, listen, this is bunk. Please go get your flu shots. Yep. And if they argue, argue, argue fine, but at least do something. You can do a little bit of good because someone else might be reading that post. Exactly. Well, just so you know, because I, I went to it. I went to Snopes and typed in the words flu cure. And surprisingly, the onion one is the number one <laughs> for flu cure. And they have determined it to be false. Yep. Imagine that. Is there more detail that we can tell our listeners? I know um, they can go read it themselves, but a quick synopsis of Snopes's. I'll read the last paragraph, which says onions cut, peeled, or otherwise aren't going to secure your living space from the flu virus, either 2009 swine version or any other year's contagion. Instead, if you want to stay healthy, wash your hands and avoid being around sick people. Mind you, if you choose to place a few onions around your home, the only downside would be that your nearest and dearest will regard you as somewhat eccentric. (laughs) You know, great little bit of information there. They've actually got a really long article where they go into the history of this particular conspiracy. (laughs) No, this is fucking conspiracy. Well, I guess there's some of the conspiracy against onions. Oh, it's the anti big pharma kind of, you know, you don't have to buy the shot that they're not going to tell you everything that's in there. Well, or they're just trying to keep everybody sick so they can keep the profit rolling in. If everybody just bought onions, then everybody would be cured. And well, the onion farmers would be happy. Apparently, this is going back as far as 1900. Wow. This, the, this story. The onion. Yeah. Oh, sort of hanging garlic or you know, onions yeah. and stuff around your, your neck. I sure so, would not be so right. Well, yeah, you hang onions and garlics around your neck. Nobody wants to come near you so you don't get the flu because no one's coming near you. Exactly. And vampires don't like you either. And they flat out say, there's nothing magical about peeled or cut onions. They don't act as sponges that soak up whatever viruses or other nasty microbes that are in their immediate vicinity. Okay, so there you have it. Snopes.com. Snope verify. Snopes is your friend. Well, I guess that may lead us into a leather round! Lightning round! So, the lightning round, which we once again restarted last week, yay, Yay. is a time when we get 90 seconds each to try and answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as Greg can throw at us. I agree. That is what the lightning round is. I'm mixing up the lightning round questions as we speak. I actually have a timer this week. Yay! I'm prepared. Donna won last week. So, does that mean Donna goes first or second? I, don't I know. went first last week, too. Yeah, so she doesn't get to go first this week. Are you ready, Gary? I'm ready. Start the timer as soon as I finish your first question. 
As far as you know, I will. (laughs) (laughs) An io9 article profiles profiles Zach Coplin, a 19-year-old who has spent the last several years fighting blank in Louisiana. Uh, Creationism. Angry victims of theft and police have been constantly showing up at a 59-year-old retiree's house in Las Vegas because of... Uh, uh, A problem with the Sprint network and uh, GPS and tracking. Their GPS tracking of phones, exactly. Dr. Oz has run afoul of the bloggers over at Natural News for calling blank elitist, snooty, and not not necessary to be healthy. Uh, Organic foods. Uh, following a BBC investigation, the government medicine regulator has told um, Prince Charles, homeopathic medicine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they have now been told to stop advertising it. Okay. It's deja vu all over again at Camp Pendleton, where they've rejected a request to hold a blank event at their military base. Rock beyond belief. Uh, the chief of the science and space branch at the White House Office of Management, Paul Sawcross, wrote a response to the WhiteHouse.gov petition dun, regarding... Dun, 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 dun. Death Star! And the U.S. building one, yes. In an interview with Charlie Rose, Blank expressed doubt on the lone gunman explanation of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Uh, the, 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 the RFK. Huh? Uh, More to it. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> Who expressed doubt? The RFK's son. RFK Jr. There okay. you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, I got a toughie ahead. Yeah, you got seven correct and no wrong. Yeah. I, I got a feeling you've got this one. <laughs> oh. I, hey, I was... I could have got one more in if I would have put the junior in there. I was busy looking at chimp articles. So. Oh, porn. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready for primate sexy time. Today. Anthropological porn. <laughs> That's what Donna's all about. The anthropology porn. <laughs> all right. Ready, Donna? Ready. Yes. All right. The Institute of Medicine has published a report saying that the re- recommended blank is safe and correctly spaced. Vaccinations. Schedule, yes. Um... After comments on the choice and sin of homosexuality came to light, Pastor Louis Giglio backed out of giving the benediction. The inauguration. Whose inauguration? President Obama's. Thank you. Uh, Praising Florida Governor Rick Scott's Senate Bill 98 that allows, quote, inspirational messages at school events. Satanists. Yet will rally in support on January 25th. Actress, uh, in quotes, actress, Megan Fox revealed in interviews with Esquire magazine that she likes to speak in tongues and believes in blank. Uh, Leprechauns. Exactly right. (laughs) Oh, and they got that one. In in the Gardaspur district of Punjab in India, another woman has been blanked. Raped. On a bus. Yes. Uh, A CD report warns of the under-recognized problem of blank in women. A CD report? CDC report. Center for Disease Disease Control. Control. Oh, binge drinking. Uh, Cathar Priest and Dahaksam healer Karinda Cathar was investigated by the BBC program for his claims that calcium diet and cabbage juice could cure blank. Cancer. Yes. Despite being based purely on anecdotes and already debunked by the skeptic bug girl, most major news outlets are publishing stories... About the dramatic decrease in blank due to what? Brazilian waxing. 
That's it. That's it. She got eight right. God damn and it. No wrong. Hey, this. Hold on. This is an auspicious day for us because neither one of us missed one. Yeah. Yeah. High five. You guys are awesome. And I don't have enough questions left to to quiz me on anything. There. Are maybe... Oh my god. Yay! We are double awesome now. Yes. <laughs> you are always awesome, guys. That's no, why we've been able to make it through 93 episodes together. <laughs> Plus that one where I wagged on and on and on and on and on and on about, about yeah. Tam 9. Well, it also helps that one of you leaves every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you see what happened when you left? <laughs> Disaster occurred. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it may happen again. <laughs> Oh, look at the sad faces. Oh, no, don't leave us, Harry. Well, I was Actually, just thinking... Actually, we'll be better prepared next time. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, we've just been, this is the end of our 93rd episode, and that means we're only a few episodes away from the big 100. Wait, seven is a few? <laughs> it's Depends, more, are we talking about 7,000? Then seven is just a few. It's closer than when we started about two years ago. That's a good point. <laughs> so we're almost there. So we're going to see if we can maybe do a live show, a live show event type thing. So yeah. if you're in the San Antonio area or can make it into the San Antonio area, I think it's early March. Should be the first weekend of March, right? We well, think. Not the weekend. We For, do our, first week of March. Yeah, first week of March. We could, we could do it on the weekend. That's true. We could go all crazy. Yeah, we could. <laughs> but no. no, we're just going to do a regular episode, yeah. and we'll we'll invite you all to come join us. We will let you know details as things progress. Yeah, as location, time, place, schedule, thing, and <laughs> and any um, costumes that people are going to have to wear when they show up. That's right. Dress up like your favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you like the like the crazy wild Christmas episode from a year plus ago. Um, there's the Dalek Greg episode. Uh, that's true. <laughs> there's yes, the Dalek Greg. Uh, I can just dress up like I normally do as an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for joining us for episode ninety three. It has been a pleasure. Drian Doinsen. What? Drian ninety. Uh... Oh, Actually, Dryan Sig, not saying. Yeah. Three and nineteen. I'm not catching a word of that. And then it's German. Quatre-vingt-treize for in French, oh, which oui. is four twenties plus thirteen. <laughs> yeah, that always pissed me off about learning French that you had to do math in just saying a number that made it incredibly more complicated than it needed to be. That's, no. that's why plus, they were the first people to go to the metric system. Plus, I was just distracted by the redhead who sat in front of me, so she was cute. Well, okay. I think that's <laughs> about it. Oh, I, I was able awkward to shoehorn a nice little awkward silence there at the end. Yay! Awkward. Yay for awkward silence! <laughs> Boom! Subtle awkward silence! Not so subtle! <laughs> in your face! <laughs> All right. That's it. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you, talk to you, at you, whatever, next week, as long as everything works out and everything gets uploaded and everybody's happy and we're not getting bombarded with eight-hour things. Okay, bye!
Bye. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Are, are we, we, uh, we, we are recording. We're, yeah. And, and Apparently the R's are going to be a problem today. <laughs> and you plan for the entire episode to have the mic pointed at your eyebrows? Yes. My eyebrows are very intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make it... Sure, it, it picks up on your waggle. Yes. Wiki, wiki, wiki. <laughs> am I am I projecting? Oh yes. It's We're, called projection. It's not just a psychological yeah. term. Yes, exactly. Opportunistic, opportun, opportunistic, um, bugs. Fuck, fuck crap! Fuck shit! Fuck. Opportunistic diseases. You know, <laughs> when that when that opportunistic fuck fuck shit fuck comes around, that's some dangerous fuck fuck shit fighting. I'm telling you. In fact, I think you've just been buggered by it while you were speaking. <laughs> Let's try that again, shall we? Yes. Okay. You get to go first. Yay. <laughs> you being Gary, not talking to you, the listener. Yes, our one, our one listener. A new robotic blank glides indefinitely. God, you people are slow. <laughs> Come right on, kids. Are. Shout it out to your radio. <laughs> radio? How old are you? <laughs> the Red Ranger will... Come to your house and send you his magical decoder ring. Is that code for something sexy time? No, not at all. <laughs> well, Maybe not I'm, for you. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Do you know what a hokey is? Virginia Tech's mascot. It's they play with another mascots that have the pokies and they do the hokey pokey. Nope. <gasps> wow. Um, no, I don't know what the hokey is. It's an emasculated turkey. Okay. So Gary. And is that one that's running around they have a emasculated turkey mascot that runs around the field? I believe yeah, so. Yeah, there's a huge Actually, like gaping bloody maw at the bottom where the penis has been cut off. Lightning round. Lightning round. <laughs> <laughs>